0: I just kept following my fascination with magic and mysteries and things that couldn't be explained by science. Um, If it couldn't be explained by science, I was that much more fascinated. Every time I read for somebody, I learn things about myself even. And, um, you know, when those sensitive um, conversations do happen, I learn more and more about how to hold space better for people as well. And, you know, it becomes how can I really see you and be of service.
1: Happy Fat Tuesday. Welcome everyone to the SpaceCast. This is Lauren K. Hickman. This is Inspired Astrology. Welcome, welcome to this space. I hope you're safe and well wherever you are. Milwaukee dumped so much snow. There must have been 12 inches overnight here, and just been carving out space for myself, nurturing that inner child who kind of loves a snow day, right? You know, sort of a reason to pack it in. Um, finished reading a book this week by Amanda Palmer of um, The Dresden Dolls, uh, which was a punk cabaret duo um, in the aughts. And I don't know, my my friend Christina recommended that I read this book um, to support my business, to support my ability to connect with you out there listening to me in space. Sometimes it feels like a very one-sided conversation, right? Uh, I'm in my room talking to my phone, looking at the wall. Christina recommended I read Amanda Palmer's book, The Art of Asking. And if you remember in 2012, that there was a TED Talk that got millions and millions of views on the part of Amanda Palmer expressing how she was able to successfully crowdfund $1 million dollars. Uh, just using her platform of the internet, her speech, her voice, uh, but mostly her human connections. And I mean, this was at a time where, you know, major record labels are struggling because of, um, well, because of the internet, right? Because you can burn CDs from friends at that time, and now we're doing digital streaming. I think that things have evolved a lot in the last 20 years when it comes to the music industry, because we don't walk into malls, definitely not right now. Uh, we don't walk into spaces and purchase albums as much as we used to, right? I mean, that's kind of like a audiophile person's uh, their, their thing, you know, <laughs> to go buy records still. Um, but anyway, so Amanda Palmer's whole gorgeous, amazing, personal story, I mean, this book came out a couple years ago. I just rented it from the Milwaukee Public Library and I voraciously ate this book. It reminded me why I love reading because so much of the reading I do these days, um, not just your astrology charts, people, um, but most of them are very dense, mental, abstract, uh, just like living in this abstract plane. So sometimes... I will read for hours and hours about Mars and Venus and Mercury, and I'll come out of that headspace, and I don't, I don't remember a damn thing, right? And, and it's been really frustrating for me. I, I feel like I'm having communication breakdown. Uh, funny that it's, you know, Mercury retrograde still through the end of this week. Um, but my, my brain feels full. Right, my, my brain's full and it's uncomfortable and I'm not retaining information as much as I used to. And I think it's because I'm consuming more information than I ever have in a day. And it's all just me in my house with Dragon and my partner and my phone and my books. So I'm probably just doing a lot of consumption of mental plain material because there's not a lot Um, emotional or social material to get at right now um, beyond, you know, phone conversations and FaceTime and so those emotional and social gatherings that are described in this book by Amanda Palmer and her journeys of delighting people, being silly, being random, improvising, bringing people together, connecting the dots. Um, And it really made me miss a lot of things in my life right now. And I know that we're all going through deep grieving on one level or another of what our lives look like right now. Um, And I feel like it's worth recording that stuff and not trying to pretend that everything is normal um, because this, you know, this podcast is documenting a time period in my life that I hope never gets repeated in my lifetime. Um, and to only interact with other humans, double masked on occasion, um, or virtually that's, that's strange. That's, that's a new, that's a new phenomenon. I think for humans, um, I'm baffled. I'm, I'm baffled at how adaptable that my brain is, um, and how reading this book about concerts and tons of people hugging one another and costumes and parties and art parties and lofts and all the things, um, I really miss life. I really, really, really miss life. Um, and, and her story of asking, asking for support, asking for shares, for you know, tweeting, having these conversations online um, on a mass scale gave her a really magical existence. And um, I mean, she's married to Neil Gaiman. He's really, he's really awesome. He's such a good writer. Anyway, um, so she's sort of <laughs> a magical being, and I feel, I feel a kinship with her, even though I know we've never met. Um, I heard Coin Operated Boy when I was in college, and it was so badass. And then there's the In the In My Mind. In My Mind is the name of one of her songs from. Uh, Amanda Palmer Goes Down Under. And you should check that out. Um, I've loved that song for the last decade as well. And never really connected the dots like, oh, it's this human being who is so magnificent and like abundant and crazy and just as neurotic and concerned with her narcissism as I am. I'm excited to look up her chart. I think that she probably has a ton of fire energy and I felt myself go through a lot of feelings with this book about my audience, um, my relationship with social media, which is tenuous, um, especially with algorithms, and my need to sort of update my ability to connect with you and with a broader audience if that's what I'm meant to be doing. I find it very frustrating how one-sided Instagram feels and the way that I interact with it sort of, it's a distraction a lot of the times, so, you know, just start scrolling through it. Um, unconsciously opening the app when I'm reaching for my phone to call someone, it is, it's exa- they designed it so well because it is doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. I open it all the time. And what I'm learning is to just get on there, get on my little soapbox, say the thing, and then walk away so I can get back to work. And that's not always the case, especially when you're feeling as isolated and sometimes lonely. uh, Because Instagram has replaced the coffee shop. It's replaced the gathering courtyards and the conversations that I got to have in person working in retail. So I'm grappling with that and I'm being really honest about those feelings and it doesn't surprise me in Aquarian season (laughs) that my relationship with technology feels tenuous and that my relationship with the world feels pretty alienating. But that's been the theme for a while now, so maybe I'm just reading into it too much. But I'd love, you know, if you're moved by the work that I do here, please share it book an appointment with me I'd love to take you on a journey and and share with you that you're the hero of your adventure that you belong that you're worthy of your experiences and that you don't need to compare yourself to anyone else ever again once you understand how completely unique that you are I I feel like there's been periods when I have felt propelled into huge periods of change and transformation, and I you know I would I would sacrifice relationships, I would sacrifice jobs, a place to live, because I knew that there was something on the other end, and I felt like that was maybe the kinship um, of the experience that Amanda Palmer was sharing in her book of taking a leap, of falling into other human beings, of leaning into trust. Long story short, I feel that The Art of Asking gave me an opportunity to do some reflecting on my own fraud police issues, as she puts it, this imposter syndrome of not feeling like I'm good enough to take this platform and to be brave and to share stories of other people to to share the stories of my own life and also what lessons I've gleaned uh, in using the terminology of astrology because this is the inspired astrology podcast um, but also my experience stepping into a role as a spiritual teacher and a mentor towards others Um, it's been a long a long road I have to say and I am working on ways to make that experience more accessible to others so that they can start to ride their own life with a bit more confidence and a lot more grace and self-awareness. Let's get into the astrology of this week, shall we? Tomorrow, Saturn and Uranus are in a direct square. So direct square, seven degrees of Aquarius or Taurus. That means that if you have any planets in fixed signs of Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, or Aquarius, especially around seven degrees, that means that there are gonna be some activations that are happening for you. Please do get in touch if you need to look over these materials. I would love to help you sort that out um i know that looking at our own chart can be very very overwhelming in the beginning it just looks like a spirograph and that's why you have astrologer guides i know that there's a lot of apps out there as well um but they are making a gajillion dollars out there in this very like broadcast spectrum when you can contact your local astrologer and get in touch um reach out. It's it's no problem. I, I love getting people in for short readings or half an hour readings or I can do a write-up, whatever makes your life easier. But um, the Saturn and Uranus square, there'll be three squares this year, uh, direct hits. Um, so that's going to be February 17th, June 14th, and December 24th of this year. And this is a long trend. Um, this has been called the March of Progress. Uh, these planets have a long history in Greco-Roman mythology. They're actually father and son, but also brothers. Ooh, the story gets interesting, right? But, you know, Saturn represents time, systems, organization, vanity, control, the patriarchy, if you want to look at it that way. Um, There is definitely a lot of masculine gripping earth materialistic kind of energy that I would um, I would associate Saturn with and Uranus being the planet of freedom the ultimate weirdo when it comes to planetary uh, vibrancy because Uranus sits on its side in orbit It is like the big F.U. rebeller of the universe, in my opinion. It is my favorite planet, and I would consider it the higher vibration of Mercury or a higher octave of Mercury, if you will. I think there's a lot of electric, magnetic, uh, static, mental abstract sort of energy that comes with Uranus, and it's very much the planet associated with freedom, expansion, uh, expect the unexpected, chaos, the unknown, whereas Saturn is very much about predictability and time marching on, that type of thing. So to have these two planets doing this friction dance really says that this is going to be a year of, of great changes, of great, uh, hopefully, progress in the way that we're moving as a humanity. Uranus is a very humanitarian planet. It's very expansive and large and connecting Um Saturn has a sense of like fear and egotism and also karma, uh, to use that term associated with Saturn, because it's pieces that need to come to the surface that need to be resolved. Um, so this, this is the big dynamic for this year, and it's happening this week. So um, major growth, uh, generally unsettling kind of energy, Uh, major shifts in autonomy, authenticity, liberation, excitement, um, breaking free of old barriers and boundaries that are keeping us from moving. that saying, do not go where the path may lead, go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. So this is really about you doing you and becoming the kind of trailblazer that um, feels authentic to your journey you know again this is an Aquarian Taurus uh, dynamic Um, I think good things are going to come out of this year even though there's a lot of hardship and a lot of pain and a lot of personal um, dramas happening later this week we have Mercury going direct staying in Aquarius woohoo no more mercury retrograde so that means you gotta get back to work get back to communicating and connecting again um i'm not looking forward to that i know what i need to do um so i i encourage people to you know get back on meditation track if you've lost your way last year last week (laughs) last week was the lunar new year and all of the energy in the next two weeks that we put into our daily practice, into the generosity that we share with others, many blessings according to the uh, the faith system connected with uh, the Lunar New Year. So any good energy that you, that you vibe out, it will return to you tenfold in this time period. Whether you like to believe that or not, but I think that there is um, meaning in sort of re recommitting ourselves to the practices that make us feel good about being human, about staying uplifted, about being of service and connecting with one another. So that being said, let's connect uh, today with Monica. Miss Monica Reed-Tremel is a tarot reader in Des Moines, Iowa that is her night job her day job for many years has been um, as an x-ray technician um, reading x-rays there is a fancy term that she will will mention um, that I can't remember off the top of my head I met Monica through Kin which is a modern mystical store in Des Moines Iowa's East Village and I worked there and kind of took took my seat As an astrologer in in the Des Moines community, and it's, you know, it's really benefited me on a thousand different layers. I do the new moon and full moon reports on their Instagram every month. Um, I feel very much connected to that community. It's part of my heart. It's part of of why I can do what I'm doing today is that I I finally had an audience, a place to um, find and grow myself. And I am also surrounded by thousands of crystals that I could not live without (laughs) from that shop. Um, So you should go check it out either online or in store because she is awesome. Regardless of all of that, um, just shameless promotion of Kin. I just love that business so much and I love Heather. Um, But the monica and i met because she started to to hold hold space as a tarot reader in the store so i would do astrology pop-ups we had amber dean howard in to do conscious medium channeling we would have um, uh, anita Shakina come in and do uh, the circle tarot cards i can't remember the name of them right now mother of peace mother of peace tarot and monica would come in and bring beautiful decks and just love and support the community during pop-ups, during walkthrough events, promenade, all the things that were happening downtown in Des Moines. Um, I have been so fortunate to have uh, a reading by her, a lengthy reading, um, as well as sending family members to her and sending clients to her to have um, really well done tarot spreads read. This is a a human that has worked with tarot for many years and applied it into her personal life, her personal being, and is now um, stepping into that role of, of assisting others on their journey and on their paths. So I got a chance to talk with her about her experience relating with tarot, and I hope that you'll really enjoy our talk as much as I did. Kin is a modern mystical shop located in the heart of Des Moines, Iowa's East Village. Fem-centric at its core, Kin is a woman-owned and operated business. The shop is filled with specialty products from women-owned businesses across the country. Candles, body care, the shop's Venusian energy comes in as soon as you step into the door, whether it's online or in person. Ethically sourced crystals, Palo Santo and Sage are just some of the highlights, along with an exquisite collection of vintage jewelry. Shop online at com and let them know that Lauren sent you. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you holding up with um, all this? You know, we're about a year into the pandemic. I, I like asking folks just how how they're doing, how they're faring.
0: <laughs> um, you know, it, it's gotten old. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. But um. I, am feeling upbeat about it. Um, definitely, you know, with the vaccine and warmer weather, especially in these northern altitudes, um, you know, we'll get to go outside and I'm looking forward to all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you garden or do you, you know, how do you like, how do you spend time when the weather is nice or out?
0: Um, I'm trying to get outside as much as possible. I do garden uh, I like to do landscaping, and i 'm absolutely um smitten with flowers. Um, I like to ride bikes uh I have an SCP and a kayak, so just anything that 's outdoors and especially like if I can do it with groups of friends is always lots
1: of fun. Well, you just pegged yourself as a Sagittarius. Let me tell you they are kayak <laughs> outdoors adventure <laughs> movement, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: What's your favorite flower? Wow, that's a tough question because I love them all. Um, right now, it's probably poppies. Oh, that red. Yeah, absolutely. Oh,
1: oh, gorgeous. Oh, Well, thanks for letting me know that you're doing okay. I think we're all sick of it, but it sounds like you are sticking to optimism, which is a great space to be in during dark days. Um, Well, I, I'm so glad that you made some time for this. Um, I mean, I, I know that you have a professional, you know, kind of nine to five sort of job, but then you have this like inner, inner world, which I love hearing about how kind of metaphysical people or folks that work outside the periphery of like the mundane sort of coexist between these two atmospheres or hemispheres of our lives. Right. And, yeah. um, you know, so tell me about your day job and then tell me about your, your journey and what it is that you,
0: that you do in your free time. Um, so my career is as a radiologic technologist and I've been doing it a long time. Um, my modality is general diagnostic x-ray. Um, I've done a little bit of CT, I've done a little bit of MRI, but um, the bulk of it has just been uh, general diagnostic x-ray. When I was younger, I used to love to work surgery and traumas, actually, of all things. Um, (laughs) So I've seen a lot of that stuff. But um, yeah, so it's been an interesting kind of correlation that I realized over time is, you know, I spent the bulk of my uh, muggle career, looking at the inside of human bodies um, by using, you know, science and x-rays and things like that. And now I look more with the tarot into like the psyche and the emotional experiences and the relationships. So it feels very full circle to me, not that I necessarily planned it that way, but um you know, when you follow your path and, and you just kind of trust what's happening to you and you go with it, it's really interesting some of the places that you land, right?
1: Absolutely. It sounds really holistic though I love I love that uh, that idea of you holding up a, an x-ray image and having a look at it, and then you know flip that with a, a tarot card and it's like, hmm, what are we seeing here today? So it's the insides and the outsides, and the insides and the outsides. Really, it's neat. Uh huh. Wow. Well, I mean, tell me about your journey. What's you know, I like I like that that question of what type of soil that you grew up from, you know, and, and that where that takes us, you know, the quality of to come back to the flowers, so to speak, right? You know, it's like if the right. p- if the pH is a little off, the hydrangea is a different color. So. You know, tell me about your childhood. Tell me about where
0: you grew up. Um, Well, I'm originally from southern Missouri, so straight up the heart of the Bible Belt. There was no tarot in my home, but there was plenty of religion. So it was church on um, Sundays, sometimes Wednesdays, vacation Bible school, week-long summer camps, things like that. Um, Oddly, I think it's just kind of funny. My mother was a Pisces. And despite all the um, religious upbringing, she really enjoyed astrology. And so I just had to tell you that. Um, I remember various astrology books around the house. And I think Jean Dixon was one of her favorites. I don't know if if Gene Dixon is a little too old school and you... Gosh, Gosh I have and, some you know, old
1: books and I don't have any Gene Dixon. I got lots of Myrna Loftus and a couple of other ones. But that's funny you remember, you remember that about
0: your mom having those
1: specific books around the house.
0: Oh, yeah, because, um, you know, we weren't encouraged to, um, you know, uh, I guess be, have an interest in anything metaphysical. So I was constantly swiping her astrology books <laughs> just to look at them, and I just found them fascinating. I didn't really understand it, but I thought it was always really interesting. So um, yeah, I had that started pretty young with me, all the interest in the metaphysical. But um, so here I was growing up in Southern Missouri, at least as a young child, and I was pretty sensitive. I was awkward as I'll get out, and really, really anxious a lot of times. Um, I think a lot of my experiences with formal religion over the years actually were not really uplifting for me. I mean, I enjoyed the camp and the things like singing, but um, I, uh, I was always interested in more i feel like than what i was learning in church um for a kid as sensitive as i was it's kind of tough to be told i think that sin's really bad you're going to go to hell if you're a sinner but you're also born a sinner you know that for me it was hard to wrap my head around that and it wasn't a winning setup you no know? <laughs> oh no
1: doubt you'd have anxiety it's like you're going to hell or you're going to burn for the eternity <laughs> because you're born a sinner and yeah, it's some pretty, pretty scary power dynamics, you know. I, I don't think that that's yeah. how Master Jesus really intended Christianity to turn out. I don't think that that was his intention at all. But uh, I'm sorry that it affected you so much as a kid. What it, what was it like?
0: Well, um, I mean, as, the older I got, I definitely drifted away from the church. And I don't really want to get down on religion because... It's not really my point, and I realize it's um, important to a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons, but it's part of my lineage, and, um, you know, it's just so opposite of where I am right now. Um, And I also want to be really clear that I did not take up tarot or any other metaphysical studies just as a form of rebellion. I just kept following my fascination with magic and mysteries and things that couldn't be explained by science. Um, if it couldn't be explained by science, I was that much more fascinated, you know, and I grew, and when we grew up um, as kids, like in elementary school, we would do things like, like with the cootie catchers, the little origami paper um, fortune telling things that, you know, we made up all the answers. Right. But it was always so much fun, and we would play things like light as a feather, stiff as a board. Uh, The girls next door had a Ouija board, and so we only played with it around, I know, we had no idea what we were doing, and we played with it around Halloween, you know, just for fun. Um, And it was always the kind of, it was always very jokey, you know. We would tell ghost stories at slumber parties and um, just, you know scare each other with stuff like right <laughs> it's
1: it's I mean I had a very similar childhood but Fe- light as a feather stiff as a board you know like seances and kind of fun stuff even bel- when I was younger than 10 so it's very familiar I love I love that you had neighbor girls that you could do that with
0: yeah I don't think I ever told my mom we were playing with a we <laughs> board <laughs> I'm not sure how she would have taken that but you know yeah it was just part of the fun of growing up at the time But um, I think that a lot of people kind of outgrow it, but for me, I never outgrew it. Instead, my curiosity just got stronger over time. And I also had so many experiences the older I got that I just couldn't explain And when I was preparing for this podcast and the conversation we were having, you know, I was thinking back over the years, and I just realized I had far too many mystical experiences to go into detail about without getting wildly off topic. But believe me, there were lots. And so the best summation for me was that over time, I began to understand that for me, there wasn't any real difference in believing in religious teachings that can't be explained by science, right? (laughs) Because they can't. And believing in mystical things that I had experienced personally. So, you know, I know what I've seen and I know what I've heard. And those experiences, cumulatively over the years, they led me to understand that just because we can't measure and quantify some of the experiences we might have um, and reproduce them in a laboratory, it doesn't make them any less real, and it definitely um, doesn't make them less profound. So time and experience just eventually erase my doubts. And a lot of my childhood programming about metaphysical connections being a bad thing, or something to be frightened of, and so you know, now I play the devil's UNO on the regular. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so, the first time I've heard that term that, from anyone. Devil's UNO,
0: you know, because it's yeah. it gives a, a very illustrative image, and I like that. It's. It makes me laugh every single time. And um, yeah, so I definitely had to throw it in there. I just find it very amusing. Um, But yeah, there's still so many misconceptions about tarot. Um, If no one's ever had a reading before, or if they've had um, a reading that's definitely not the kind of reading I do, Um, There's a lot of misconceptions that kind of fall into the B-horror movie category. So it's been just a really interesting dichotomy because I've got this, you know, polished professional side that I have. And then I also have this kind of woo side. So, like, when I'm working at the hospital, um, I don't talk about reading tarot. Um, I feel like that would go pretty badly. So... (laughs) Just based on some of the negative preconceived notions that, you know, people have. I, I feel like that's changing, thank goodness, and I'm totally here for being part of that change, but, you know, I just, uh, for right now, I've kind of got a foot in both worlds, so what's really been interesting is when I'm doing public readings, like at Ken. Mm-hmm. And people will sign up for the readings, they come in by appointment, and occasionally people will walk in from other departments where I work. And it's always interesting to see the look on their face when they see me and they recognize me because there's a lot of surprise. Some people um, are seem rather mortified. <laughs> so I just, you know smile and I assure them they're, you know, they're medical people just like myself, so I assure them that I treat the readings like HIPAA and then I do their reading. I've never had anybody turn and run away, thank goodness. And then we just never talk about it at work. Uh, we pass each other in the hall. Hey, how you doing? And we keep walking, you know. That,
1: that client, <laughs> that like client that. confidentiality thing is really important, um, especially in not that Des Moines is a small town, but it is a small city. And those crossovers are there. And there's a lot of there's a lot of vulnerability that comes with doing tarot readings.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when people show up for a reading um, and they show up with their whole self, um, you know, I end up doing a lot of readings um, at CAN for people who've either never had a reading before or they've never had the kind of reading that I do. And so, um, yeah, I for some, it can definitely be sort of a peek in your underwear door sometimes. <laughs> By a total stranger. It's
1: cute. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> well, how, you know what? What sets you apart? Because I, I mean, as as someone who does astrology readings professionally, um, and relying very much on my intuitive skill set to to do readings, as I'm sure that you have learned to work with the symbols of tarot, I've had I've had clients come and say, "Oh, I had a Facebook group look at my chart, and they said that there's all this death, and that I have the makings of a serial killer." And it's like, whoa, whoa, oh whoa. That, I mean, the, the drama that can be surrounded and the misinterpretations and the lower understandings can really turn people off to, to being open and available to their subconscious, uh, you know, which I think that's, for me, that's how I utilize tarot, is helping myself to see what I cannot see.
0: Oh, Absolutely. Um, and I love it. That I mean, you really nailed it when you call them the lower interpretations. Um, you know, without the death card to somebody who has no clue about um, tarot, and you might as well have that cheesy horror movie music in background and ground going, dun dun dun. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> Chains dragging on the floor. <laughs> I don't know, but um, <laughs> it's. it's it's funny anymore, but, um, I have to be really careful with that. And and I know you understand. So like I'll have these people sitting across me and I'm shuffling their cards and, um, if they've never had a reading and this kind of falls into the peak in your underwear drawer sometimes, but that sort of category, but I just tell them, you know, especially if they don't have a question, because I do get people pretty regularly show up that don't have a question for the cards. I just tell them that whatever's in the back of their brain or on their heart that needs to come out on the table is going to come out on the table, and the amazing thing that happens is it does. Um, And the interesting thing for me is I don't even really feel like that makes me special in any way. Um, I just took the time to learn the language of the cards. I grew my relationship with cards um, over the years, and now I, when I sit down with someone, I'm opening myself to those metaphysical, those unseen, those unquantifiable connections that people create between themselves, you know, when they have a conversational exchange and things like that. So the cards... I can't explain how they do it, but they pick up on that energy and when they're out on the table then we get to talk about whatever message there is to talk about.
1: It's a true revealing and I I understand it's it isn't about the reader. It is never about the reader and if it is then that is a that's an inappropriate service point. Right. To affirm their ego or, you know, I mean, like I find myself like I want to I choose to be entertaining because that's my personality and that's how I like to approach clients is with some levity. You know, like I'm I'm not like a, you know, a soothsayer. I'm going to like throw bones and tell you you know, when you're going to die or something, or look into my eye and you'll, you know, that kind of thing. It's, I, I just don't yeah. feel like that's the way that I work with spirit. That's not my relationship with it. And so to hear you say, it's not about me. It's about the language of the information. My job is to try to be a clear interpreter and a clear mirror. It's the way I like to put it, right? Yeah. Well, I love yeah. hearing that from you. Cause that's how I've experienced readings with you, Monica, because I know that you've got a developed relationship, not only with your own higher self, but with, with the cards and and the archetypes. Um,
0: Yeah. Thank you. I feel that way about you.
1: Ah, Shacks. Okay. This is about you. I want to hear, I want to hear more (laughs) about like when, when tarot entered the picture for you and, and what that story has looked like, how it's helped you to work with, you know, childhood anxiety and, you know, the story of how you've, you've stepped into um, the reading posture in you know in that chair because that's that's a that's a position to hold really
0: um it is yeah and there have been times where I've I've felt like um I was crazy <laughs> for doing it but then I, I also can't stop doing it um <laughs> so I, I love those connections I learned something about people and relationships every time I read for somebody I learn things about myself even and um, you know, when those sensitive um, conversations do happen, I learn more and more about how to hold space better for people as well. And, you know, it, it becomes how can I really see you and be of service. And I wouldn't trade that for the world, even when some of the um, readings I do are kind of sideways and you know, I almost feel like um well, anyway, that kind of gets into when people sit down and they have a lot of times the misconceptions. But so let's see, when I when did it all start? It started in nineteen ninety eight. Um <clears throat> a girlfriend and I went to a psychic fair and I don't know whose idea it was, but we it, it was fascinating. We had a great time. Um But while we were there, she kind of snuck bought me a tarot deck. I was actually more into auras and doing the aura camera thing and um, some of the psychic readings at the time, but she decided I needed a tarot deck and I can't thank her enough. I don't think I would have bought one for myself just because at the time I was so intimidated by the number of cards and how you know there's 78 of them that's a lot of cards and they're all supposed to mean these certain things and keeping it all straight um it didn't always make sense but i was i was fascinated by them you know and i and i held a lot of those kind of i look back and i realize how silly they are the misconceptions like you know if I draw the death card, is that going to tell me when somebody's going to die and some of these other things? I mean, I, was, I totally didn't get it. But the more I stuck to it, uh, the more I it, – I, it all started to make sense. So right after I got that first deck, I told my sister about the gift, and she sent me Mary Kay Greer's book, Tarot for Yourself. And it was a truly, I feel like, revolutionary book in that it took all of those B-horror movie cheese balls, stereotypes Mm -hmm. away. And what it did was showcase tarot readings um, as a tool for personal reflection, self-exploration, and growth. And I still highly, highly recommend it for anybody who wants to learn tarot. And I, to this day, I can't thank my sister enough for sending it my way. So my sister bought me the book. Um, a friend bought me a deck. And it all just kind of went from there. Um, you know, 1998 to now, I did a lot of living. <laughs> um, couple marriages, you know, raising kids, career changes. Um, a lot of life ups and ups and downs, and tarot always met me right where I was, right where Mm -hmm. I was. Um, you, you know, you have these meanings, you know, each card has a meaning, but, that meaning becomes more nuanced. I feel like is the best way to describe it over time because, you know, at this point in your life, it, it might just be straight out a little white book. But if you've gone through experiences with those cards, then it just, they don't, they don't take on almost a life of their own. Um. And back to that Mary Kay Greer book, one of the things that was so helpful about it, um, with each card definition, so she gives a a pretty good overview of each definition, but then there are also um, anywhere from maybe three to six questions for each definition that are designed for self-reflection, like, what am I growing through when this card comes up? How am I nurturing myself? Um, I'm making these up kind of badly off the top of my head, but, um, but they were along those lines. So they it, it went so far beyond the little white book interpretations, not that those aren't a fine place to start, that you really begin to see how... Um, The cards, in their own ways, represent the human experience, what we feel, what we think, um, what our spiritual practices are, um, what our practical practices are. Um, You know, there are cards that can relate to how you handle money, what you're doing with your passionate nature. What you're doing with your feelings, um, and, and how you're thinking, how you're using your words. So, yeah, um, over time, it, it's you, you get to where you're laying the cards down on the table, and there's a whole conversation in those cards, and it can go in a lot of different directions.
1: When when did you feel the shift happen? You know, I I know when uh, ch- charts used to look like. You know, spirographs to me, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, there's there is a conversation happening, just the way that you described it. But when when was that moment for you?
0: Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. So there are card spreads to this day that are stuck in my brain. I didn't need to take a picture of them. <laughs> But um, where – and it's really interesting, too, because, uh, you know, I do have a background of anxiety and body dysmorphia issues. And one of the things that I started doing, you know, especially with the Mary Kay Greer style of looking at tarot is i would turn to the cards when i was having a lot of anxiety when i was having issues with relationships when i couldn't make decisions when i was stuck in my head about things and needed a different perspective so it's kind of a long answer to your question but there are uh, there there's a was a four card spread i did one time and I was super loose about it. And I tapped the cards and I shuffled them and I dealt them and I said, tell me what is going on here. Um, it was relationship issues. And <laughs> this is this rarely happens. But court cards typically represent people in a tarot ring. They can represent other people. They can represent ourselves. And I laid there were four people involved in the situation. I laid the cards on the table, four cards spread, they were all court cards, and I immediately knew who they were, what they were saying to each other, and it, it, it opened, it, it kind of blew the top off of my, the lid off my um, tarot brain, and after that, it was never yeah. really the same.
1: Wow. That's, I mean, that's a striking experience to have. It's like, okay, I trust you. I trust you, cards.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, they really, yeah. They they saw. I don't know. They picked up on my energy. The the right cards fell out, and I immediately knew the message. Um, I wish I could say it's, hmm. it's always that clear. Um, there's some days where I'm like, okay. I obviously need to ask myself some of the, you know, Mary Kay Greer style questions and think about this, but that's where that whole getting a different perspective comes in, especially when you come to the cards with those, you know, challenging questions or you're just like stumped, things like that. Do you have a
1: favorite deck or do you have a collection of decks? You know, how, how do you, how do you work with that? Cause there's, there's so many new decks coming out. And all these new images that are coming out. And I'm I'm not connecting with all of them, certainly. But I'm also not a tarot reader, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I actually don't connect with all of them either. Um, some of them, some of them are um, beautiful just for the artwork, right? I mean, there's some amazing thing, artistry. And there are some deck creators that are coming out with some decks that are pretty funny as well, which is. Always kind of nice because um, you know, especially we. I, I don't know. Sometimes we all need to not take ourselves seriously, and so the fun, the funny decks are kind of um, like you have that deck well, of but, the um, like the
1: 1950s um, advertisement. That that one, like Brillo pads, and yes. I thought it was very funny, like yes. Americana style tarot. That's yeah,
0: the housewives tarot, and I bought. Um, actually, I was gifted the zombie tarot which is also by the same creator and they're both exceptionally entertaining um, and they give astonishingly good readings which is also fun because I thought oh these decks are going to be you know, pretty amusing but um, they've also given some like I said amazing readings but my, my first deck is, um, was the spiral tarot and it was smith um based most of them are and, uh, like, the border is mm-hmm. chipping off in spots. Um, that deck has been under mm-hmm. my pillow some nights, wrapped in, you know, a little silk kinky. Um, and I, that was my first deck. And it was the only deck I had for, uh, I, I still cannot remember um, when I started buying other decks. But I, I would say for at least the first 10 years. So that deck has been through a lot with me, and um, I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's seen the good stuff, the bad stuff, and everything in between. And we—it's your teddy bear. It's your teddy bear deck. But <laughs> I love that analogy. That's awesome. It's totally my teddy bear deck. I don't use it a whole lot anymore. Um, it's, sometimes it's almost like it, it knows me too well, <laughs> but I do, I, it's, I've got a very fond piece in my heart for it and I do still pull it out, um,
1: on occasion. So Smith, this, the Smith weight deck, so, um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of the, the base point that, that modern tarot imagery has come from. Cause I, I think that you, you shared with me in our pre-interview that, that tarot was a game that came around in the, like, the 1600s in Italy, or does it date further back than that?
0: Um, well, okay, from what I understand, um, it was a Renaissance Italy period card game, like you would play poker or old Mead or whatever. Um, and it, the game was called Tarochi. So it wasn't until the late, you know, around, you know, 1800 or so, maybe a little bit before then, that someone, and I can't remember their name off the top of my head, this, I'm a terrible historian, but they um, started using it and, as a divination practice. And in 1909, um, that was revolutionized. Uh, The imagery on the cards was... I should skip back just a little bit. So before 1909, when you would look at a tarot deck, the major arcana had people and animals and things and all the stuff was happening, right? It was interesting to look at. And it kind of told the story, like good artwork will. But And then, you know, the court cards had people in them as well. But when you got to the pip cards, the ace through ten... If it was the suit of cups, there was, like, for the ace, there was one cup. For the eight of cups, there were eight cups on the card. They were fancy cups. (laughs) They were pretty cups, but they were just cups. So, and then same with the swords, the wands, the pentacles. But this became... A divination practice because someone bothered to write a book and say this card means that, this card means this, and this is how you get a message out of them. So in 1909, um, the Rider-Waite-Smith deck was commissioned by Arthur Waite. Rider was the publishing company, and Pamela Coleman-Smith was the artist who was commissioned. She had to follow um, Arthur Waite's instructions very closely for what the major arcana looked like. But he kind of let her have free reign with what she wanted to do with the pip card. And this is where it was revolutionized because she put people in them. She had a very strong theater background um, out of London, and she painted stage sets and, and did all kinds of things like that. But she put people in the cards, doing things, and so that revolutionized it because now you're looking at people doing the things that the definition of the card represents, so it was amazing, her story is amazing, it's kind of sad because she wasn't paid much, you know, in in a lot of ways she was kind of the mother of modern tarot, she wasn't paid much, she died penniless, and didn't, you know, get the acclaim she deserved in her lifetime, which is, again, kind of sad. But we sure do thank her because all these beautiful um, or just interesting or niche decks, you know, they're all um, ultimately smith right, based for the most that part. Is-
1: is numerology involved with, with the, the numbers, like you said, the pip cards, it's like, oh, you have eight cups. And we know that each one of the, the decks have, or the suits, if you will, the suits have different, um, meanings, you know, based on, are they, are they mental faculty? Are they emotional experiences? Are they your creative fire, et cetera, right? The, the material possession stuff. So that's the, the, the suits, but are the numbers based on numerology? Is there a
0: side-by-side with that? Oh, absolutely. There's, um, um, there's an extensive numerology and as far as like guidebook material about how to um, add layers to your interpretation based on the numerology. Um, I learned a ton about numerology just by studying tarot. And also, my dear... There's a very strong astrological component. I don't know that, um, I don't know how much you know about that. <clears throat> Not enough, apparently. Well, I, like, when you asked me about the numerology, I went ahead and just picked up a deck. I've got decks pretty much in almost every room in the house. It's ridiculous. But I just happened to have a deck laying out with astrological symbols for each card, like, on the card. So, like, Mars... Is see I can't keep them straight. It's helpful for me a lot of times, um, especially when it comes to pip cards, to see the symbols on the card. But like the tower, that card, um, that's Mars, yeah. So it's got the symbol, right? Oh,
1: okay. Yep, it's coming back to me. I did I did know that there was an association, but it's not something I've studied because tarot, you know, tarot is a whole practice on its own and. All right. I appreciate you bringing that back up though.
0: Yeah. Um, so, and I'm working on getting into that a little bit more because again, it just, it adds another layer and it's interesting. So the next, just one more card here, just like, it's the five of cups and that's Mars and Scorpio energy for the five of cups.
1: Now I know what I'll be doing the next 50 <laughs> years of my life if I live that long. <laughs> Studying tarot on top of astrology, which is a lifelong journey. I Thank you for sharing that.
0: I I could totally see you (laughs) doing that and just killing it too. I,
1: yeah, I think that um, it's nice to have additional tools, um, you know, to assist clients. And I think that's why people have them on hand. And I, I come from a, a lineage, to use the word that you use, that that tools are not necessary, that all the books that you need are inside just by studying the mind and using the mirror of your own consciousness and that that peeling back. Um, but I, I drew some cards earlier today because I felt like I couldn't get to the base of some anxiety I was having around the decision and why it was creating physical fear in my body and I, and I thought of you because, you know, you shared that, that that was one of the reasons that you went towards decks. but I don't use tools every day. I don't check my transits every day. I'm sure that there's a lot of people who do that, but I, I don't want to have an excuse for not dealing with my own energy makeup, if that makes sense. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't want to cop out. Like I, sometimes you do need support though.
0: So I have to laugh because you've asked me this before do you think by using tools, um, as the way you just shared with me, maybe you're being a little hard on yourself. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, (laughs) of course. I think anything that's, uh, healthy, you know, and that we're not getting obsessive about like that helps us connect with ourselves, especially when we're kind of like spiraling out. I, I just, I think it's, I know I'm grateful for it, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a great thing to have something that helps us to see our blind spots, so to speak.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, well, I am so appreciative of your time in this conversation. I feel like we could just go on and on about, about tarot and its history. Um, I'm, I am I'm just, I'm so glad that you brought yourself out of, you know, a cupboard, so to speak, like you doing all of this self-work to have a relationship with the cards and that you're out there assisting people, being of service, um, even if it makes them a little uncomfortable if you guys work together at the hospital or, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Is there anything else on your heart that you wanted to share, Monica?
0: Um, I do have quite the history with um, the body dysmorphia issues mm-hmm. and when you were asking me about that, I'm just taking a wild guess, and I think maybe that you may have first read that in my February newsletter um, mm-hmm. yeah, once a month, I send out a newsletter um, and I post also a version of it on my website blog. Um, yeah, once a month is all I have time for, so it is what it is, but um In February, I felt called to make self-love the theme of that newsletter. Uh, I, I feel like it's such a huge issue for women in particular because from a young age so often we internalize messages about how we should look and act and I feel like There are some parts of that that are pretty much just toxic BS. Uh, It puts money in some pockets and then leaves those of us who chase the illusions of what we're fed, um, feeling inferior about our bodies and unworthy even on certain levels. So my history, um, if you would, it includes struggles with hardcore anxiety. Um, like I say, it's part of my lineage. It kind of seems to have a genetic component in my family. But it, and for me, it started uh, manifesting when I was four. I had trichotillomania and bald spots on my little four year old head. Mm. But it didn't stop there. I developed anorexia and on, so by the time I was 14, I weighed 87 pounds, and I was 5 feet 5 inches tall. So the anorexia started right after a major dental surgery, um, of all things. I couldn't eat for a week, and I just happened to notice in the mirror when I got out of the shower one day that um, my stomach was really flat. And so I thought, oh, wow, my stomach looks just like the models in the magazines. Yeah. And it spiraled from there. Um, I loved that, and I wanted it to stay that way, and the only way it would stay that way is if I didn't eat much. So that went on till I was basically a walking skeleton. Um, yeah, kind of got over that hump, but not, you know, so in my teens in my 20s and even into my early 30s, I was dealing with binge eating and depression, self-medicating, I had a breast augmentation after I had kids and, which I totally regretted, um, mm-hmm. I actually lost a lot of, uh, I didn't like how they looked, I hated how they felt and um, I subsequently had them removed But this was a huge struggle, Mm -hmm. and I look back and I realize that um, all of that came about because during that time, I had no idea who I was on the inside, and what I was doing was clinging to some really messed up ideas about what I should look like on the outside, and then hoping that would just fill in the gaps, because there were some pretty big internal holes, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And And then just to make things really messy, I had a thing for men with alcohol problems. Um,
1: So. it's like bonding through trauma, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um... It's
0: it's exciting. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know about exciting, but I I actually wish I had had tarot as a regular practice um, much sooner, and you know the type of practice where you're asking those self-reflective questions. Um, I mean, I did some therapy and things like that, but it, but I never I was very inconsistent with it, um, and it wasn't until I started. Doing things like tarot in that self-reflective way, it it took time, but it has helped me grow beyond a lot of that. And yes. so, you know, when I when I sit down with people and I'm reading for them, and I see these really um, tender things come up, um, you know, I'm. I feel grateful for the opportunity to hold the kind of space for them that um, I guess I kind of wish I'd been able to hold for myself at times. And you know, it's it's a a struggle to be a human, to have the skin suit. I mean, it's amazing, and it's so profound, but it's also very challenging, and I think the greatest gift we can give each other and even to ourselves is to be able to see that in other people. And, um, you know, if they'll let us see it, Tarot has a way of making that happen. Um,
1: You You don't, you don't. Yeah. You don't build compassion without having your own shit pile. I mean, you had to have some compost (laughs) and this comes back to the flower conversation at the beginning. You know, we have to have our compost piles so that we can make a field of flowers. You know, you can't work from nothing. You can't develop compassion for others without having your own experience of suffering and Um, you may not, you know, conquer it. I think that there's, there's a lot of stuff that we have to process for a lot longer than other things. Um, Absolutely. I'm, I mean, I'm grateful that you feel that through your, your own experience. And I mean, I, I have a, I have a lot of people close to me in my life that have done some pretty serious um, surgeries, cosmetic surgeries, or otherwise that have, change their body. Um, and like, I mean, I have piercings and tattoos. That's not exactly the same thing, but it's, I I know that I've been shocked when I, I get something and I regret it, you know, and it's like, I, I changed myself and it was exciting in the moment. And I love change and I love, I love that constant tension, but, um, did I really need to do that? Like, what did I, what did I gain from that? Maybe, maybe some compassion or some understanding of impermanence, right? But,
0: sure.
1: uh, I, I am, so, I'm, I thank you for sharing such personal aspects of your being and how it's kind of informed your journey with tarot and your journey as a, as a person, like you said, being in a skin suit is challenging and amazing and all the things. This is university planet earth. Um, gosh, if I was going to ask you like maybe one or two more questions, if you don't mind um, I'd ask you what card you most associate with, or maybe has that changed over time? Um, and maybe if you had a thought on like what, what the what the card would be for this time period that we're that we're having right now? What would your interpretation be from that perspective?
0: Oh, those are great questions. Um, well, I I definitely res- resonate with my birth card, and yeah, wow. The card. Well, I think. <laughs> I think uh, the time we're in right now is a tower card. I'm just going to say, say that right now. Um, so when we're in tower energy, all the foundations that had cracks that nobody could see and all and you know shifting soil beneath them and the foundations cracking and the tower is going to fall down, right? Um, the tower is, is a big old mess, but the beautiful thing about the tower is you get to rebuild the card that follows it. And the major arcana is the star. And, um, so when we're in Tower energy, it, it's similar to death card energy. Um, well, and actually last year was a death card year and this year is a hierophant year. So yeah, clearing out the things that don't work and are broken. And then we get to, rebuild and put new, better things there um, on all the levels. So that, I think, is kind of where the world is at right now. Um, Me, personally, my birth card is the world. And the planet associated with that is Saturn, just FYI. So, um, and then my teacher card is the Empress. So um, the world card is two plus one. Here's that numerology piece. So it's, well, it's card 21, that's the world, and if you add two plus one, it reduces to three, and the empress is three. So when you have the world um, as your personality card, you kind of want it all. (laughs) Who doesn't, right? But um, learning to um, live abundantly within your limitations is a challenge. And then um, the Empress card becomes the teacher for the world. That, that one's kind of tough to put succinctly, but she's all about, she likes her comfort. So, yeah, uh, the, the quickest way I can wrap it up is to say, you know, learn to live comfortably within your limitations, <laughs>
1: even when you want it all. Well, Monica, thank you for making so much time and sharing your wisdom and your experience with tarot I hope that this benefits somebody out there who was curious about it. I really appreciate you. I appreciate the service that you provide and you do readings virtually and in Des Moines at Kin, mystical shop. So if you're in the Des Moines area, that is a way to seek out Monica. And of course you have your subscriber email list where you do do a monthly reading. And I, Appreciate you sharing um kind of your journey with the self-love and acceptance piece, which you know, we're talking on the the new moon in Aquarius. Um I I felt like that's that's the biggest piece. You know, we have to know our part and having more compassion and understanding for others, even if they're very different from us and ideal or
0: what have you. Yeah. Thank you, Lauren. I appreciate your time and I appreciate what you do and how you do it and how um, brave you are in the way you share yourself with the world. Um, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> that means a lot. Thank you.
1: And that's it for today. Um, you can find Monica at, uh, on Instagram at Miss M. Tarot. I'll put that link up in the bio for this podcast this week. Um, she's doing virtual readings um, as well as socially distant masked meetings at KIN in Des Moines. Um, some of those coming up and what else can I say thank you thank you for making space and time in your schedule to put my voice and other people's voices in your ears for a moment to get outside of yourself maybe you something today um you know maybe you'll get a tarot book maybe you'll go check out the uh, the decks that she was talking about um or book a reading with her again miss m tarot monica read tremble she's amazing um you can find me follow me at Instagram uh Lauren K Hickman. Uh you can find my work at energyinterpreter.com. I do new and full moon reports for kin. Uh also post and published on my account and in stories on Instagram. You can reach out to me through uh either my website or Instagram to get a, a, a reading booked if you like. Um energy work is a great way to support ourselves through blockages that we experience uh, in hard times like today so if you're not interested in astrology by all means get in touch with me we can do a consult and talk about you know what kind of support i can provide as far as meditation instruction energy balancing which can be done virtually as we are all one in spirit Uh, you can look at my website for more information on that or just reach out to me get in touch uh, yeah, if you feel like tipping me, if you feel like from the heart space that you want to share your joy and and help uh, an astrologer, artist, writer, slash energy interpreter out, I really appreciate it uh, from the bottom of my heart and my hound dog dragon. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Venmo at Lauren K. Hickman. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye.